to change. Oh, there's forgiveness in its message. There's a path to new direction for the broken heart it restores and the lost are found by the word beyond not one word of god has changed oh every Goodness of God. 
something I may not know There are some places In this old world I may not go This one thing I surely know Oh, my God is real And I can't feel Him in my soul My God is real My God is real Oh, He's real in my soul He's real in my soul
Refuge for me, Lord, send me a refuge. 
Also remember Daryl Smallwood, uh, he was doing good and if everything goes right, I think he'll come out of the hospital in a couple of days, but uh, remember him if you will, he went through heart surgery and uh, got a lot of people that need lift up in prayer, uh, went down this last week, me and the wife did, went down to my aunt's birthday party down in Kentucky. She's 99 years old and uh, still bragging on the Lord, still walking the walk. Her mind's all there. She knows exactly who she leans on and who she depends on. And I'm glad Becky sung that song about the refuge because I thought about her this week and how precious that her life is to so many people and I couldn't get away from thinking about her. Um, I want to preach a little bit today and I want to go back to Ruth again. That was my aunt's name, but I want to go back to the story of Ruth and start at the first chapter. Just want to read something, but I want to thank God for his grace. I want to thank him for those that we weren't here last week that stood in, and I thank DJ and and Randy and Andy and whoever else stood in, and uh, thank God for his grace and his mercy and the gift of life. But I'm glad that sometimes it's meant for us to go places. I got to see a lot of cousins. I've got a cousin that's, uh, she's probably, I don't know how Barb is, Becky might know her, about 65, but uh, she's got four-stage cancer. She's my Aunt Eileen's daughter, only daughter, and she's sick. I want you to remember her, if you will. I want you to remember Terry this week. Uh, he's got surgery Tuesday, and I think he's my cousin Terry, and, and he's also lost his sister. But I think... God for going down there because when you get around God's people, you realize everybody's not in the same place. You know, you may be young here or maybe you're in a place where you're healthy and no problems. Live 99 years and you got a little bit of clout to say something. And uh, she's lived through a lot of things. I thought about her that, uh, this week. And I thought of all the things she went through when my father's brother, which is who she was married to, my Uncle Raymond, when he was younger, he was an alcoholic. And my father used to get up and go all the way down to Williamsburg and he would go down and he would pray with him, go down in the basement with him and he would pray with him when he was drunk. And eventually my uncle got saved and all of my cousins, there's six of them left, of that family, and three of them's already passed away of the of the kids, and 
But all my cousins are down there, and they always remind me of my father coming down there and praying with their father. And they believe that's why my uncle got saved. And I thank God for what God has done, and I see what God is doing in their family because I've had cousins that got saved in the last year down there and some of their kids. And I also see heartaches. You know, I look around in here and I know there's heartaches. I know you're hurting for your kids. I know you're hurting for your grandkids. You're hurting for things that's problems in life. We're hurting when we look at the world and what is going on, Bobby's talking about. We look at the things that, that seems like they cannot change. Can I tell you, me and you can't change it. It's, it's a bigger job than voting in somebody. It's a job that's going to take God to change it. And only by the grace of God and only by the mercy of God. And that's one of the things that stirred me toward Ruth. Go to the first chapter of Ruth, if you will. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke of Lot, Abraham's nephew, Abraham's nephew was raised in a righteous home. If he was raised in Abraham's home, he was obviously raised by a righteous man. The way God talked of Abraham when he chose him, called him out, and talked about what kind of a friend that Abraham was. To know that Lot grew up in that home or grew up around Abraham, you know that he had a righteousness in him. And Peter wrote of Lot's righteousness and how he was vexed with living. But see, Lot made a mistake. He goes and pitched his tent towards Sodom. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He made a choice. Ruth makes a choice here in the first chapter of Ruth. And it's a beautiful choice. And it's a precious choice because, see, Ruth wasn't raised in a Christian home like a lot of you have been. Ruth wasn't raised under Abraham with Lot. No, Ruth was raised in a Moabite country. The Moabites were wicked people. They killed their own babies as sacrifices to the gods so that the God would give them more babies. So they would sacrifice their babies to Moloch or whatever his name was, the God that they served. And they came up and they were evil people and they always hated Israel. And they were actually from Lot's children. That's where the Moabites come from. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Ruth is a Moabite. Naomi and her husband Elimelech went to Moab because the drought was on in Israel. Whether they were in the wrong to go, whether that was uh, never really says. just says they picked up and went because there was a drought. And they went to Moab and took their two sons, Malon and Chilion. Malon was the older one, and Malon married a girl from the Moab, which was Ruth. And I just want to set that straight on it because I'm not going to read all this. I want to read right down to the heart of what it is. And I want to look at verse 15. Verse 15 of the first chapter of Ruth. And she said, this is Naomi talking to him. Naomi's husband has died. Naomi's two sons have died. And all she's got left is two daughter-in-laws. Well, she looks at both of them, Orp, Orpah and, and, and Ruth, and she says, 
Go back to your people. I got no more sons to give you. And even if I had a son, you ain't going to wait till he grows up to become one of my uh, daughter-in-laws again. Basically, the death has happened and God has cursed me basically and all those things and I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm leaving and I'm going to tell you go back to your own family. Orpah picked up and went back. In the 15th verse, listen. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. But Ruth said, now listen to this, because this gets down to the heart of every one of us in here. I want you to hear this. Ruth said something that if you're ever going to get saved, you're going to have to think like Ruth's thinking. Because this salvation is not joining this building or joining a paper that you sign your name. You can go to a religious uh, building every week and that's not going to get you into heaven. You want to get on a relationship with God, you're going to have to find when God opens the door to your heart and says, I'm telling you, come to me. And when you do, you have to have this heart. And I'm not trying to commit, uh, tell, put some law on you. I'm trying to tell you, listen to the heart of a young girl that was not raised in church. She wasn't raised, but she saw in Naomi something that was special that she could not walk away and go back to the life she was from. Even though she's lost her father-in-law, she's lost her, two her husband and her brother-in-law. She's got nothing to live for, but listen to it. It says, and Ruth said, entreat me not, more or less, don't plead with me to go back, not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For where thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw, when Naomi saw that she was steadfast minded to go with her, she left speaking unto her. What am I saying? Ruth had made up her mind. What I see in Naomi, I don't want that out of my life. I'm ready to go with you wherever you go. I'm ready to die with you. I'm ready to accept your God, your people, and everything. Did you know when somebody comes in here and they don't know Christ, did you know we're supposed to represent Christ and we're supposed to make them hungry to want to have what's going on inside here? They need to see Jesus and they get hungry. Our young people need to see Jesus. They don't need to just hear words out of the Bible. They need to see Christ in us. They need to see it. And as troubled times as it was, Naomi going through troubled times and had lost both sons and a, and a husband, yet she is an example to Ruth. Ruth says, I got nothing back there. I don't want that old life. I want to go with you. Wherever you go, I'm committed to you. Praise God. You know what? That's the part that you have to make up your mind. Don't come up here just to keep yourself from going to hell. Yeah, I know you don't want to go to hell. Nobody does. 
And I come up here to get away from, when I came to the altar as a teenager, I came because I was afraid if I died, I'd go to hell. And I probably would have. But I knew I hadn't been saved. But when I got to the altar and I got down to pray, I didn't know what to pray. All I kept saying is, Lord, I'm sorry, and I will serve you. Let me tell you something. God's waiting on a commitment. He's waiting on a committed people. We need Christians that's committed today. We don't need Christians to fill up churches. We need Christians that's committed to serving God. Somewhere along the line, we've given them a ticket to go to heaven and told them it don't matter what they do. And that's not true. You're going to find that you're going to have to leave yourself behind, leave yourself, whoever you think you are, whatever you think you're good at, leave it behind and say, Lord, I come to you wholeheartedly with all I have. Everywhere I go, I'm taking you with me. Everybody that I meet, I want them to know about you. You need to see Jesus. We need to see Jesus. Our world needs to see Jesus. Only he can change what's going on in our world. Ruth committed herself to Naomi and to her God. I want you to look on past, down at Ruth, look at the second chapter of Ruth. I want you to look at verse 11 in the second chapter. Boaz comes around and he meets Ruth and he sees her and he hears about her. He's heard about Naomi coming home. Listen to what Boaz says. And Boaz answered and said unto her, verse 11, it hath fully been showed me, talking, he's talking to Ruth, it's fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not hitherto-fore, hitherto-fore, which means, I guess, before. The Lord recompense, listen to him, listen to what Boaz is saying to her. The Lord recompense, that means to pay back thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Ruth ain't asking for nothing. She's out gleaning on the sides of the field. But Boaz, the one that owns the field, he comes by and he sees her, but he had heard about her, and he speaks to her. And he tells her, I heard all the things you've done since your husband died, and how you stayed with Naomi. Let me tell you something. She already has proven herself as the commitment wasn't just words to say. Don't just say, I'm going to serve God. Follow through with it. Roots followed through with it. Her, her witness is already out there. Everybody knows she loves Naomi, and she's doing everything she can to help Naomi. She's committed. Under whose wings thou art come to trust. How many knows when you come to Christ, you come under his wing. You come into a place 
We're, we, you know what? We need that. We need that refuge, Becky. We need that. We need a refuge, Lord, today. I can't talk to the president. He don't ever let me in. If I went and knocked on the door, he won't answer. You call his phone, he won't answer. If he does, it's an accident. And it wouldn't do much good, I don't think. But can I tell you something, other? God can open doors. God can do things we can't do. But we need a place of refuge today. We need the place. God's people need to understand, I am hid in Christ. <coughs> I am hid in Christ. The old rugged cross makes a difference. I want you to turn to the 91st Psalm. I want you to hear these words. There's a security in Christ in following God. It says, he that dwells in the secret place, 97, 91st Psalm. It says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. Snare of a fowler means the trap of a, uh, someone is trying to trap you. The fowler is someone that snares people and traps people. And it says, surely he shall deliver thee and from the noise and pestilence. How many of those COVID and everything else is a noise and pestilence? It's there to scare you to death. Christian, we're hid in him. We're to dwell in the most high under his wings is where we dwell. I'm safe in his arms. That's what he's saying here. And in verse 4, he says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wing thou shalt trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness. What's pestilence walking in darkness? You know, they got all kinds of rumors of what's coming next. All kinds of rumors of what the next thing you're going to, uh, that's going to scare the whole world and make us run and hide in our house again. Listen to me, Christian. We're safe in him. We are safe in him. We are hid in him. It goes nor for the destruction that waste at new day, at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. We are safe. It shall not come nigh thee. Some people worry to death about death. Did you know we're all dying anyway? You're going to die anyway, whether you're scared about it or not. But our scriptures and our word of God tells us we're in him. We're hid in the rock of Christ. He has paid the price that none of us could pay for ourselves. God made a way. In John, the 12th chapter, this has been mentioned three or four times in the last few weeks. But I'm going to mention it again. It was even mentioned Thursday night in John, the 12th chapter. 
And Jesus answered them, verse 23 of John 12. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man shall be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about himself dying. He's going to die to bring forth fruit. He's dying for you and I so you and I can live. How many hears that? Did you know, parents, you're to die so your children live? Die to yourself. Not talking about the death of your body. You're all, we're all going to die. But we need to die to ourselves that our children can see Christ in us. As long as we keep holding on to self, we can't show them Christ. All we show them is our own little personal wants and our little personal needs. Not picking on nobody, but I'm going to tell you something. God's te word teaches us to die to yourself. We're to fall upon him and cast it all upon him. Die to self. Did you know that's what Ruth? She died to her old life. She died to her old self. And she took off to follow something. She had no idea what it meant to be Jewish. She had no idea that when, when we talked tonight about how she uh, ended up being back in the, in the line, she ended up in the line of Christ. But how did she get in that bloodline? She got in it because the Jewish traditions and laws that made to redeem her, that's what brought her back in it. So if she had never come, she could have never got back in to that place where she was redeemed. It goes on to say, verse 25, He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Now some people take that wrong. I don't mean you're supposed to hate life, but you've got to hate the life that was, and you've got to love Christ. You don't fall in love with him, this world will appeal to you. You'll find yourself serving something. And if you don't serve him, you'll be serving back where the enemy is. Back to what you want. Back to what your desires are. You have to die to yourself. You have to work at dying at to yourself. You have to put yourself to death. When there's things in your life that's drawing you away from living for Christ, walking and, and getting up and going to church and walking the walk of Christ, when these things are against you, you have to understand that the Holy Spirit's revealing that to you. He's showing you you need to remove these things as obstacles in your way. <coughs> it says in verse 26, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Listen to what Jesus is saying. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this hour. How many knows Jesus knew what he was there for? Now, what do you think you're here for? Because think about what Christ is teaching us. If we're going to follow him, we have to follow him all the way. 
Don't follow him a little while and then go say, I did my part and I'll just stay home. You know what? I can tell you right now, the churches ought to be full with people hungry for the gospel and hungry for what God's doing. Hungry to hear what the word of God is saying. Because I come here on Thursday night and I can tell you right now, we learn. We learn the Bible. Something that Maria said the other day when he's talking, she was talking about the, lame, the uh, man that got the, the ones, the lepers that got healed. And one came back to thank him. Why did he come back? I, I love what Maria did. She stepped out of the aisle and she started taking big steps down the aisle and looking down and saying, every step the leprosy was leaving. Because he began to see his leprosy was disappearing. As he began to go toward the, what Jesus told him to do, go show yourself to the priest. As he stepped, he began to see it was disappearing. So he turned around to thank Jesus. Now let me tell you something, other. We have the right faith. And I don't, I don't want to act like I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think. Well, it, it came to me when she was saying it. Yes, he believed in what Jesus told him, and he had faith. And Jesus said, didn't I heal ten of you? Where's the other nine? But this one came back to thank him. It reminds me sometimes of how we ask people, if you need prayer, you come up and get prayed for. You come up and you ask people to pray, and you pray. By the time you get home, you say to yourself, it didn't work. Nothing ever happened. See, our lack of faith is there. We know it. You know it. Why? Because the world has taken our faith away from us. The world is telling us technology or wait till the doctor says or wait till they get the better medicine. The better medicine will take care of me. We have no more faith in God. We don't think that God's going to heal us. We don't believe God's going to heal us. That man didn't have a doctor to go to. That man didn't have, he couldn't even go to the priest until he was pure, had the purity in him. And Jesus told him, I look at that and I see so many in the church doing the same thing. We come up to be prayed for, but we don't believe it. By the time we get home, we've already lost our belief in God. We've already done, made up our mind. It won't happen. We have to believe him. We have to see his power. We have to see his work and then stay true to it and believe it. Follow it through all the way. If the Lord speaks to you and tells you something, follow it through all the way. Don't let the enemy tell you it didn't happen. And when someone speaks and says, come up and be prayed for and you come believing, guess what? God's going to move upon it. I can't heal nobody. I'm not a healer. Nobody in here is a healer. Jesus is the healer. In the name of Jesus, we pray those things. But we have to believe it. And the people that come has to believe it will happen. I'm not trying to put nobody down. I'm trying to tell you the enemy works real subtle. And he's doing his best to lure people out of faith in God. He don't want you to believe. He wants you to trust in everything else. It says, now is my soul trouble. What shall I say for this? 
Save me from this hour, for this hour came into the world. Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And there's another verse that where that's spoken the same way, but it's in Matthew, and it says, For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I see church people walking out of the church. I see church people not committed to serving God. I'm not their judge. I'm not even trying to be. Bill, I don't want, I'm not criticizing nobody. God knows my heart. But can I tell you, I see what the enemy's doing. He's doing everything to make me stay home and sit there. He does everything in the world to give me an excuse to not to come to church. He gives me everything in the world and his excuse not to pray or not to read my Bible. Why? Because if I get close to God, God's going to speak to me. And God's going to guide my life and lead me. But as long as I stay uncommitted and I allow everything to pull me away from it, guess what? You ain't going to hear from God. And you'll talk yourself into staying home. I don't find that in Ruth nowhere. I don't find where Ruth said, I wished I was back in Moab. I wished I was back home with mom and dad. I don't find that. She left it all for good. When you come to Christ, leave everything. Leave it all. You ain't got one thing you're going to take with you when you leave this life. Except him. Except faith in him. Hold on to him. He's everything you're holding on to. He's the only way I know I'll see my mother and father. He's the only way I know I'll see those that's died in Christ that's went ahead of me. He's that place. He's that refuge suit for Donnie. Donnie needs a refuge that you can't give him. His family can't give him. But while he's on this life, he can still remember the words of God. He can remember the promises. He can remember the songs as they come up. And it stirs inside of him. Why? Because it's been placed inside of him. Somebody has convinced him of Christ. Over in Acts, the 21st chapter, Apostle Paul said something. I want you to hear it. It's in the 21st chapter, starting in verse 8. The next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. How many's ever heard of Agabus? You don't hear those stories very often. Here's a prophet came to Paul, and his name was Agabus. And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. How many knows what he's saying? This prophet, Agabus, comes to Paul, takes his girdle and ties his hands behind his back, and then tells him what it means. 
This is what's going to happen to you when you go to Jerusalem. You think that's scary? How many Christians would go ahead and go to Jerusalem? I don't know. I don't think I'll go down there today. Uh, I'll just go the other way. I'll put it off a while. But how many knows Paul was committed? Paul was committed to go all the way. He done made up his mind what he was going to do from the time he accepted that walk onto the road to Damascus. The time he found out who it was talking to him, he'd made a commitment to follow Jesus anywhere and everywhere that he sent him. And it says, And when we heard these things, both we and they of the place besought him not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am, not, I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. I don't know about you, but that's a commitment. That's a committed heart. That reminds me of Ruth. She made up her mind. I'm going all the way. I'm going to die with you. Wherever you die, only death can depart me and you. I'm staying with you all the way. That's the kind of Christianity that's not preached today. I'm sorry. But it's not talked about. We want people to join the church. We want people to pay their tithes. We want to get some kind of a programs together to make everybody happy. Can I tell you something? The only thing that's going to make you happy is when you finally commit yourself to following him all the way. Because when you leave this life, you're only going to be with him. All the rest of it's going to be left behind. It's all going to be burned up. It's nothing. Houses, land, campers, trucks, cars, they mean nothing. Praise God. I worry that they're going to break down all the time I'm riding in them anyway. And me and Shirley, we say, you know, we almost ran out of gas the other day. And she says, I can't walk, you know. And I said, no, neither can I. <laughs> we don't know where we're at. But the truth is, all of it means nothing. And I know God blesses us with things. God blesses us with times with each other and times that we can share uh, fellowship with one another. It's a beautiful thing. But can I tell you something? More than anything, we have to be committed to this gospel. We have to be committed to walk with him every day and follow it through to the very end. I can tell you all of my life, from decade to decade, how my life has changed. I used to be just somebody looking for a girlfriend. I found one. Married her. It was all about me and her for about a year or two. <laughs> then we had a kid. Then two years later, I had another kid. Then two years later, I had another kid. And then it was all about kids for about 15, 20 years. A couple decades. And then it was our kids left home. We cried about it. We try to figure out what we're going to do. How many knows your decades will go by, your decades will go by, you'll do things, you'll do different things, but can I tell you something? There's one path that goes home. It's following Jesus. Never leave him anywhere. Keep, keep, keep him with you everywhere you go. Take him with you. And when he would not be pers persuaded, we cease saying, 
the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem. There went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea and brought with them one mason of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we, would, we should lodge. And I read that because I want to read this 17th verse. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. How many knows Paul had a purpose to go to Jerusalem? And when he got there and those brethren was waiting on him and received him gladly, I'm going to tell you something, he's glad he went to Jerusalem. I can see the joy in his face without even seeing him. And know he's happy. Let me tell you something, I don't care how heartaches look. Follow through with what God tells you to do. If God tells you to go a certain way, go that way. Because you have no idea what God's fixing to do in your life. You have no idea the blessings it's going to be. We went down to, the, to uh, Kentucky there to that birthday party. It wasn't really about my aunt. When I got there, I realized it was more about my cousin. Because I got to have a conversation with a few of them. And I heard their grief and I heard their hurts. And I felt God telling me where they was hurting at. And I knew me and Shirley sat and talked to one of our cousins for a long time. He's hurting over his grandkid. He's hurting over his wife being sick. And he's been faithful to serve God for years. But his heart's broke. He thinks nobody understands. But sometimes just getting with somebody and sharing and having faith with each other. Sometimes that's the encouragement that's needed. We all need encouragement. I need encouragement sometimes. And people encourage me. But you the same way. Don't run from God. Run to God. Don't run away from God's people. I come here expecting somebody to talk to me about Jesus. I saw little Larry sitting there. And I thought Larry would have said, talk about Jesus today. That's what he asked me. Tell me every time I come through the door, let's talk about Jesus today. You know what? We're going to talk about Jesus until we go home. If that bothers you, I'm sorry, but that's not. we're not going to get over it. We can't get over it. We're waiting on him to come and take us home. One more place. Becky can come back up. Colossians, the third chapter. This is for every Christian. I want you to hear it. In Colossians, the third chapter, verse 1. If you, then be, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. What does it mean, if you then be risen with Christ? If you know in your heart you have given your life to Christ, listen to me, you're risen in him. I'm only alive in Christ. My old life is gone. I told somebody this morning I was born married, I think, because I don't hardly remember that life. It's been so long ago. But the real truth is I remember laying down the old person and taking on the new. And I'm alive in Christ. I'm risen in Christ. 
And he says, set your affections on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you are dead. Uh-oh, listen. You're dead already. It says you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. We're dead in Christ. We're hid in him. We're dead to this old world. Some, some have a hard time understanding that. But can I tell you, you've got to die to yourself. If your eyes go where they shouldn't go, you've got to die to your eyes. You've got to put your eyes upon the cross. If your feet take you places you don't belong, then you need to, you need to show your feet. I'm dying to that direction. I don't go there no more. We, DJ, said it this morning. Somebody called about telling how they was asking him to go and be with them again, to go somewhere with them. And he said, no, I don't do that no more. I don't go those places no more. You have to make up your mind. Am I going to follow him? Because if I follow him, he will show me how to walk to the things that he wants me to and away from the things that I was doing. He has the power. We can't live this by ourselves. We need him every day. But if we don't, we don't walk this and commit ourselves to walking it out, we won't do it. You'll fall right back into the world and everything it's doing. Every generation, every decade you live, you're going to have to make those choices. Ruth made a choice that she wasn't going to change. I thought when my aunt was 99 years old, I thought a long time ago, she had, what, nine kids. Yeah. She, a long time ago, ex she met my uncle, I guess. I don't know their story. I just know they met a long time ago. But when she was a young girl, she met him. And she, like Ruth, went the way with her husband, not knowing the life that she's going to live. But how many knows God's took care of her all these years? God has given her a life worth living. God has walked her the direction he would take her, and he has blessed her life. There's heartaches. She's got heartaches. Every one of us got heartaches. But can I tell you something? She's 99 years old. She's still looking forward to tomorrow with Jesus. She still wants every one of her children to make their way to the Christ. That's all she lives for. What are we living for? What are we committed to? It tells in what you do and, how you, and what your life's about. I know this is a different message. I preached on Ruth not too long ago. But I want you to understand the commitment it takes. Our world, our Christian world, is getting so far away from being committed to being a, being a child of God. To all that will come, I will, he will give you power to become the sons of God. To all that will come. He came to his own, his own received him not. But to them that come. If you're here today and you don't know him, 
if you'll come, he'll give you power. He'll give you witness inside of him that his spirit is in you. And that spirit of God will lead you all of your life. It doesn't matter if you can look in the mirror and see a young person or an old person. You know the Lord has been with you. You know where you've left him off sometimes and where he's rescued you and picked you back up. This is the fight of our faith every day. You have to live it. You have to love him. You have to seek him. He is our only deliverer, our only redeemer. The only one that, that gave us life was him. Everybody stand if you would. Well, there's a peace I've come to know. Though my heart and flesh may fail.